Turn your great idea into a great success with the Small Business Resolutions Bundle. Just $5 will get you your own domain name, a powerful website builder, professional email, and search engine optimization to get your top listings on Google. Get started today at www.smallbusinessresolutions.ca. Hurry, this offer ends April 1st. Welcome to Startup Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Matt Allen, and today is March 29th, 2016. In the news this week, in his 2016 budget speech, Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau announced that the Government of Canada will table an innovation agenda within the year. Contrary to an election promise to reduce the small business tax to 9%, the government has frozen the tax rate at 10.5% and previously proposed taxation of stock options used by companies to incentivize and recruit top global talent were omitted from the budget after the startup sector advocated against this measure. On May 5th, the Finance Minister will join over 1,500 entrepreneurs on the Hill for Startup Canada Day. Get your early bird tickets now at www.startupcan.ca. Prices will increase April 1st. A new study by Statistics Canada shows that immigrants to Canada are more likely to start and own a business than people born here. The study also shows that businesses owned by immigrants employ fewer people on average than businesses owned by Canadian-born entrepreneurs. Waterloo-born wearables company Pebble has laid off 25% of its employees, according to Tech Insider. This comes after the company raised $26 million from investors. Back in 2012, Pebble became the first company to raise $10 million on Kickstarter. Winnipeg-based company PermissionClick, a digital permission slips and payment collection system for schools, raised $1.75 million from venture capitalists this month, allowing the company to expand its services across Canada and the United States. Startup Newsweek is brought to you by GreatWork, helping founders and business owners make more effective decisions. Check out greatwork.io for better decisions. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit Startup 
can.ca to join the network to connect, to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. We are welcoming to the show today, Ray Walia. He's the CEO and co-founder of Launch Academy, Vancouver's business accelerator, and one of the leading change makers in Vancouver. Ray is also the man behind Victory Square Ventures and Traction Conferences in Vancouver and San Francisco. And that's the name of the conference, Traction Conference. Very, very cool. He's a dedicated supporter also of all the cool things entrepreneurial happening in Canada's West Coast. Ray is a serial entrepreneur with experience in a variety of interest in industries and two successful exits from a service-based business. Today, we're going to be schooled on who's who in the zoo in Vancouver's startup scene and gain insights on what needs to be done to take the entire entrepreneurship in the West to the next level. Ah, very cool. I'm going to throw out the... Uh, the old uh, challenge there because I'm on the East Coast, so I'm going to pay attention to exactly what's going on to take him to the next level. So, welcome to the show, Ray. Hey, thanks for having me, Rivers. East Coast, West Coast battle We're about to go let's, down here. Let's make it happen, buddy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. You have been quoted as saying, I just got bit by the entrepreneurship bug by looking at new and innovative ways to offer my business and engage my customers. Got bit. I love it. So did you did you always know you were going to be a, an entrepreneur or you know, were you planning something different when you started? Uh, well, so my family has always been very entrepreneurial. So just growing up, I've always been part of the family businesses. We started off, uh, uh, my dad, total immigrant story, came to Vancouver, seven bucks in his pocket, worked in a grocery store, uh, lived in the back of the grocery store while he worked up front, and then um, drove a taxi for uh, a couple of years in the evenings, made enough money, brought my mom here, and then kind of went into different areas. Uh, but eventually he found himself uh being a international producer of Bollywood concerts. Mm. And so I grew up and, and on the other side of it, he was also doing um, uh, construction. So he was building uh, homes. Love it. So I, I, my childhood, I was either on a construction site, pulling nails at a two by fours, or <laughs> I was uh, behind the scenes, the behind sta- backstage at uh, big concerts at Pacific Coliseum. Wow. Uh, wow. So entrepreneurship has always been in my blood. Um, but uh, in high school, I was really fascinated with the um, with the human mind and the brain, and uh, wanted to go down the path of becoming a neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon. But, yeah. So wow. That that was my goal when I was in high school, and then um, roughly around grade eleven, I did the math of how much time I'd have to spend in school to become a top tier neurosurgeon, and that quickly changed my mind. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to spend another 10 years in school. Uh, and uh, You just, figured what would it be like a, like a, like a you know, a, a, a mid, mid kind of thing, a credit course at the university? Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, I, I can put in like another two, four years and yeah. uh, you I'll, go? I'll be on my way and I'll, I'll be able to uh, uh, call myself a, a top tier neurosurgeon. No, no, that's not how it works. And then uh, I guess at that point I decided to, Hey, entrepreneurship is probably the way I want to go. Business, uh, I love numbers. Um, uh, one of my philosophies is numbers make the world go round. Everything's broken down into numbers. And so I started down the path of uh, taking entrepreneurship courses, accounting courses, business courses. Um, but uh, as I graduated um, from BC, BCIT, 
I kind of came to an epiphany moment when uh, something my dad said to me, and he said, you can have an amazing life and have an amazing career uh, under somebody else's umbrella, or you can be that one holding the umbrella and shaping the world for other people. And so I was like, yeah, I think I want to be a leader and not a follower. Mm. And that's when I kind of um, made that decision to go out and be the entrepreneur myself and uh, not be in somebody else's shadow. Yeah, very cool. Very cool story. But I look, I got to just to kind of bring it like my dad's an entrepreneur also. And uh, he gives me all kinds of stories of starting off. And, you know, there's there's always the exaggeration and so on. Did your dad actually have seven dollars or could it possibly have been like eight <laughs> well, I think it was uh, uh, seven Americans, so it probably came up to like 2,000 No, this was actually back in the 60s. So his thing was like uh, him and my mom got married uh, back in yeah. India, and um, uh, he wanted to kind of explore what opportunities were out there. And so he went to the U.S. first. He came, I think, with a couple thousand bucks, and he kind of did a tour of the U.S., checked out a couple mm. different cities. and. He said the, the goal was was for him to just to go back to India and then kind uh, of make a decision of, of what life would be. And his last stop happened to be Vancouver. He had a friend here, and the friend had a grocery store, and kind of crashed with him. And then he just <laughs> fell in love with the city. He's like, "Yeah, this is where I want to uh, yeah. be." And this is back in the six, late sixties. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. So he he decided, okay, no, I'm going to stay here, and yeah. uh, he helped out at that grocery store, and then um, he uh, drove taxis at, in the evening and. Made yeah. enough money, brought my mom here, got to build the whole immigration thing, and then popped out a couple of kids. Yeah, <laughs> overnight success is twenty five years, right? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good for him. That's that's awesome. Um, well, look, uh, you're working on a ton of stuff today. Can you tell us what's going on with uh, what are your startups all about? Project ventures uh, that you're working on. Yeah, so I kind of I wear multiple hats. So I'm the co-founder and executive or CEO of uh, Launch Academy. So Launch Academy is Vancouver's uh, primary tech hub for early stage technology companies. Uh, mm -hmm. We like to say it, it's a facility for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs. It's everything that you need to go from an idea to an exit under one roof. We have multiple entities under the roof. Launch Academy itself is a nonprofit. We don't take equity in companies, but uh, at the same time, we make it uh, a facility where you're going to get access to all the different resources and, and network and tools and techniques and strategies to build your own business because everybody that's uh, running the facility are entrepreneurs ourselves and we're building companies at the same time uh, as we're running Launch Academy. So you're getting a first-hand look at everything that we are using ourselves to build our businesses and uh, the networks that we are leveraging. So you get to tap into that. Um, so that being said, the other entrepreneurial endeavors that I'm taking on myself is we also run a conference series called Traction Conference. So I'm mm -hmm. the co-founder. One in uh, Vancouver and San Francisco. You're doing two spots. Yep. Yeah. So that's something that we started last year. Uh, we um, saw a need for more dialogue and more education in the Vancouver ecosystem around customer acquisition, customer retention, customer monetization, traction. Traction really helps scale and grow businesses, right? The, one of the things from Mark Andreessen, I think it was Mark Andreessen that said this, was uh, uh, companies don't fail because they um, built a great product. Companies fail because they fail to get customers. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's what the thesis of, of traction is, is, is how do you get customers? How do you retain them? How do you scale and grow those customer bases? And how do you monetize those customer bases? 
And the conference was so wildly successful in Vancouver. Like the, the premise was there's so many people in Silicon Valley that live and breathe uh, tech and startups. And it's such a massive scale and, and uh, volume that they are learning at an exponential rate. And that education and that knowledge uh, can't really be replicated in other markets. So how do you inject it into other markets? And so we bring in these high-level, C-level speakers uh, from the Valley to Vancouver to talk about traction. How do they do it? So it's all from the um, C-level executives, so the people that have been there growing these companies to the billion-dollar valuations that they are, uh, as well as the growth experts that are actually uh, doing the day-to-day. So uh, this year, the, like the speaker lineup, we just started announcing it, is like, we've got the uh, CMO for Hootsuite, Penny Wilson. We've got uh, the founder of Twitch, Justin Can. We've got the CRO for HubSpot. We've got the co-founder of The Honest Company. Uh, we've got the CEO of AppDirect, uh, CMO for Branch Metrics, uh, uh, CPO of Sendgrid, um, former uh, head of marketing for Box and Yahoo. So these are the who's who of the valley. Right on. Um, and did you get to, did you get sponsors to bring them up, Ray? Or are these uh, ones that you're self-funding yourself? Or do they just kind of hop on a plane and say, I'm coming because it's a great great thing you're doing? Uh, so so it takes money to put on the conference itself. But uh, one of the things that we do is we don't pay, pay any speaker fees. So this is a right, fundraiser right. for the nonprofit. But also right. it's not that hard to convince these speakers to come in because of the subject matter. They all love talking about traction because that's how they built their businesses. And right. the caliber of people is is large enough that they all want to be part of it. And so this is the, the cool thing about it is that Vancouver was so wildly successful. All these speakers from San Francisco were raving about it. And they were asking, why did it, doesn't this happen in San Francisco? Why is this conference not in San Francisco? <laughs> and so just a few months later, like we did the first one in Vancouver in June of 2015. And in October 2015, we did one in San Francisco. And same outcome. It was sold out with like a month in advance. And like that was only like a three-month turnaround. And uh, uh, the audience was glued to their seats the entire time. So that was one of our claims to fame was that Typically, when you go to a conference, you get a lot of networking uh, happening in the hallways, corridors, um, and uh, people are going in and out of the room during talks, and um, uh, the room always is half full, three-quarters full. But for ours, it was 100% full in the entire time because uh, there was such valuable insight and dialogue happening on stage that uh, people didn't want to leave. And it wasn't just a one-shot deal in Vancouver. The exact thing happened in San Francisco. And so yeah. we're going to be repeating that again this year. And of course. It's, it's proven itself to be wildly valuable for everybody in attendance. When you when you did the uh, the repeat from Vancouver into San Francisco, did you basically take the model that you created in Vancouver and um, and just uh, transplant it down into San Francisco? Same same programming and all that kind of stuff because it's a new audience? Uh in terms of the format, yeah, it was, yeah. It's, if yep. it's not broke, don't fix it. But yeah, in, exactly. terms, in terms of the speakers, uh, Vancouver is far more earlier stage, whereas right. Uh, right. San Francisco is further along. So yeah. uh, the focus in San Francisco is more about scaling and monetization, whereas in Vancouver is uh, primarily on customer acquisition and then retention, and then a little bit of touch point on monetization. Okay, so let's uh, let's kind of go into the marketing side of that just for a quick segue, because some people are in our audience today. You know, they they do conference. And it's you know they want to grow. Um, you went into a newer market. Yes, you had contacts there. How did you how did you make it a hundred percent sold out three months later after you decided to go in a brand new market? Well, part of the strategy is is just uh, leveraging uh, strategic partners and okay. uh, 
again, the subject matter allowed us to open up a lot of doors. Right. Um, and uh, the speaker lineup and having this, these speakers from Vancouver being such strong advocates of what we're doing was a, a big benefit. Um, but uh, it really, I think, goes boils down to the subject matter and the um, uh, caliber of speakers kind of sold itself. Yeah, cool. Love it. Congratulations. That's uh, I love it. I love that spirit. And of course, we've got a great value add. Um, can you uh, yeah, give us a give us a sense of Vancouver as a place to live as a startup? Because great city, great shopping, great events. Hockey team kind of sucks, but <laughs> it, it has gross, breathtaking outdoors. But you know what? It's an expensive city to live in. So how do startups make a go of it with such a high cost of uh, living? And, uh, you know, what is that workaround? Uh, ramen noodles. You just got to <laughs> focus on uh, on your diet. No, it really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's macaroni and cheese. I mean, what? Yeah. it's like, yeah, that's right. University days all over. What a stupid question, Rivers. That's <laughs> how so you make you starve yourself. <laughs> Pretty much. That's everybody says Vancouver is one of the healthiest cities. And everybody's fit. No, everybody's just starving. And, and yeah. No, I think really like Vancouver is an amazing city. I've traveled around the world and every time I go to a new city, it, it you be, you really do get homesick because there's um, so many great things about Vancouver that you miss, and um, we've got some of the best restaurants in the world. Uh, the The ecosystem is just amazing. It's, you go skiing, you get sailing in the summer, golf. It's just a well well rounded uh, place to live. Yeah. But as you said, it's expensive, and yeah. uh, things add up. And so, as a startup, it it really does become challenging. Um, I think there's two factors. One is that, yeah, the cost of living is really high. But I think the other side for startups is also that uh, there isn't a, a lot of early stage capital that's flowing around um, invested into tech companies. Um, I always say there's two distinct types of checks you get. That's smart money that adds more value than just the check that's coming through the door. Uh, and then there's um, um, regular checks. And uh, it's not that hard to find people with money. It's just hard to find people that can add that strategic value and uh, uh, put that money to really good use in your company. And that makes it more difficult for startups to exist in Vancouver as well. Yeah, well, it's but it's uh, but it's what's interesting. Lifestyle still becomes a very much an attractive uh, piece. We talked to a little earlier about the the person that was uh, with Startup Whitehorse, and you know they're 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 attracting entrepreneurs to go three thousand miles north of Vancouver to to live in this wonderful spot, and it's all about lifestyle. And uh, Vancouver sure has that. Yeah, so there, I think there's there's two distinct things there as as well as so one is for the entrepreneur and one is for the people that are joining startups um right for people that are joining startups vancouver is an amazing place to live they want to relocate their families here it's safe but it's expensive uh and so they 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 find ways to make it work here but yes when it goes back to being an entrepreneur um i think if you remember back in the 90s of this whole issue about the brain drain from canada into Mm. the u.s uh, not only was in the tech sector but healthcare like people were People naturally will move to where the resources are that can mm-hmm. uh, help them become successful. And so this right. is something in Canada across uh, across the country that we need to focus on is making sure the right resources are there to allow these entrepreneurs to uh, become successful. Um, and so in Vancouver, there's a lot of different elements that are finally coming into place 
that are allowing these entrepreneurs to build successful businesses here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some of them just naturally had to occur over time, and others are initiatives that are being put together by government, by uh, uh, facility and locations like Launch Academy, things like Traction Conference, uh, and the entrepreneurs are making it happen here. Um, yeah. But, well, uh, the same thing with Whitehorse. They're, they're trying to create that ecosystem up there, and right. by providing the resources for these entrepreneurs to be successful, they will move there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They are creating that. Well, you're a, you're a believer that one of my mantras is that entrepreneurs are going to save the world and we got to give them the, and it's not just always about the funding. It's about the right uh, the right environment, the right resources that you just talked about. Uh, so let's talk about your resource, Launch Academy. You know, uh, that's a, that's an entrepreneurial endeavor in itself and obviously a social entrepreneurial endeavor. How did you, uh, how did you get started with it? What approach did you take? And and um, you know what's the what's the golden nugget as to why you've been so successful? Um, so I guess the history of Launch Academy. So the the, the story is twelve 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 twelve. We started in two thousand twelve with twelve desks, and twelve months later we had twelve thousand square feet filled up. <laughs> uh, and it really started off as initiative between um, three to four co-founders, where we just wanted an environment for. Uh, ourselves to build our companies and be around fellow entrepreneurs. There was no grand scheme to become the main tech hub of Western Canada and, and have all these pieces in place. Uh, but it just naturally uh, came to fruition because it was everything that we wanted to have for ourselves while we were building our businesses. And naturally, if you're building a business and you see this collective group putting efforts together to build their businesses, you want to kind of latch on and, and be part of that. And so that... Uh, uh, all added up. So really what happened was uh, I was building, a bunch of us were building a businesses in uh, a co-working space called Boot Up Garage. It lasted for about three months and it shut down. And mm-hmm. then... Uh, um, Great name though. Yeah, it was, it was part of the Boot Up Labs uh, accelerator, one of Canada's first accelerators. Um, they obviously had some challenges uh, and uh, ended up shutting down operations. The uh, people that were in the garage kind of went their own ways, but we had this Google group that we were using and uh, people were still communicating on it throughout the year. Uh, I was building a fashion startup at the time and um, uh, got accepted into another accelerator here locally called Wavefront. Um, but uh, myself, were my company was just way too early to be in that type of accelerator. And right. um, Jesse Heeslip, who is one of the uh, people in the garage, sent out a message. Uh, so the garage, I was in there from January to about March. And then um, we're now looking at December of 2011. Jesse sends out an email asking, hey, anybody want to um, uh, get the garage up and off the ground again? And uh, I quickly raised my hand. Uh, Roger Patterson, who was another person at the garage, raised his hand and said, hey, yeah, let's, let's see what we can do. How can we help? And so we took a very lean approach to it. In January, we had we invited a bunch of people out to a bar and had a little meet, mini meetup group uh, and talked about startups and posed a question to everybody in the audience. Hey, who would love to see something like the garage up and off the ground again? We had about 20 hands in the air. We're like, okay, that's awesome. Okay, well, who'd be willing to put down a $100 deposit on a desk? And there were still about 15 hands in the air. And so we're like, okay, sweet. It's nice. $1,500 bucks a week. Let's see what we can do. And again, the whole premise was we're still building our own businesses at this time. We just want to be around fellow entrepreneurs. Can we get everybody in a room together and just leverage each other's networks and have a brain trust that we can all tap into? And um, uh, we started pursuing 
that and looking for locations and seeing what we can pull out, uh, we'll put together with 1500 bucks. And, uh, at the same time, Mike Edwards, who was, uh, at the garage the year prior, uh, not to become an entrepreneur, but, uh, he was a exit entrepreneur coming back to Vancouver, looking to become an angel investor and get acclimated with the ecosystem. He had taken over grow labs and grow lab was Western Canada's, uh, accelerator. Um, and, uh, reached out to us and said, hey, love what you guys are trying to do with the, getting the garage off the ground again. I've got the uh, Grow Lab space empty for the next two months. Why don't you guys come in, use this space and see what you can do to get it off the ground again? And we're like, free space? Awesome. Yeah, let's take it on. <laughs> uh, so we started April 1st. We had uh, uh, 12 deaths in the space and we filled it up. The first company in was Battlefy and the esports platform that's thriving today. Uh, Thinkific was an education platform that came in and again, another one that's thriving today. So they were our first two startups. But uh, within the first two weeks, we filled up the 12 deaths. We had about 2,400 bucks, 200 bucks a desk uh, or 3,600 bucks. And uh, went to Ikea, bought 12 more desks. <laughs> yeah, what's the, what do the desks look like? Give me give me a view of the desk. What do they uh, look like for? They're, for they're the uh, brown IKEA desks that uh, most offices have. Yeah, cool uh, looking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sturdy. They're sturdy, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and then a bunch of uh, cheap fifty dollars chairs from uh, um, a place called Excess Cargo. Uh, and uh, so after 12 weeks, we had that 2,400 bucks and went to Ikea, about 12 more desks. So by the end of the month, we had about 30 <laughs> startups cycling in and out of there. Nice. Uh, Mike Edwards and uh, Boris Wirtz, who's an another co-founder of Grow Labs. and uh, uh, Yeah, I was talking to DC. Boris the other day. Yeah, Version yeah. 1 Ventures, partner yeah. at uh, Anderson Horowitz. He, um, they, they came up to us and said, hey, look, the, we've changed the model for Grow Lab. We are taking later stage companies. They don't need this to be in the space full time. So why don't you keep leveraging uh, what you're putting together here? Uh, and um, we originally called it Hack Hut because it's just a place for us to kind of hack away at our startups. And uh, the, the vibe and energy is awesome. So just keep going at it. Let's see what you can pull out of it. And then me, I'm, I'm an accountant as well. So I was naturally taking care of the books and uh, uh, spending more time just putting together um, the, the, the nonprofit and we rebranded as Launch Academy. Uh, and my startup was not going the direction that I wanted it to go. And so I ended up naturally spending more time on Launch Academy than I was on my own startup. Because <laughs> it's more fun to go where the winning's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, that just all started, started coming together. And then in, I think, the, the full, uh, in, uh, I guess the point in which we really came to realize that, okay, there's something here that we need to really build off of was in July, we had a uh, demo day for traction or for Launch Academy. And so from my experiences, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I was uh, connected to and dealing with, for them, the demo day wasn't a position of, hey, let's get on stage and try to solicit investments. It was just get on stage for the first time and feel like get a feeling for what it's like to pitch in front of a large audience. Uh, mm -hmm. Understand how to uh, how difficult it is to effectively communicate what it is that you're building to an audience. And uh, uh, so it was like a, uh, something that we put together like an American Idol style uh, event where everybody was uh, obligated to spend at least one minute on stage to talk about what they're doing, or at least if they're not comfortable talking about what they're doing, talk about the experience that they had at Launch Academy for the last three months. And so out of that, uh, the, the top, 
I think it was five voted by the audience would go on and do a five minute pitch and uh, we would pick a winner and they had a cash prize. We, we expected about 100, 150 people to show up to this thing. Uh, we actually had over 300 show up. Wow. The lineup was out the door, uh, down the block, and uh, we were just blown away. And so we had pizza ordered. And, uh, <laughs> we had to double up the pizza. We had to open up all the windows because it was just turned into a hot box in the, uh, in the place that we were in. Because uh, it was July as well. Like, so yeah. it was a summer day hot. And then you had all this, we had about 50 hot pizzas in the room and all those hot bodies. And it was just, yeah. <laughs> but everybody stayed and everybody loved the event. And then um, mm, Boris Wirtz actually came up to me afterwards and said, hey, look, I've been going around the country and, and actually to the U.S. and visiting all these different demo days by all these different accelerators. And yours was by far one of the best ones. The pitches were really great. The energy, the vibe, uh, everything was amazing. And knowing that you have no structured program and you guys have no resources, it's amazing that you pulled off. And mm. at that point, we decided, okay, we need to really keep keep pushing with this. It's something that is of value to the ecosystem. And uh, uh, the mantra is keep it as a nonprofit. We're not taking equity in the companies. It's all about collectively growing uh, the ecosystem because the more successful entrepreneurs there are in your ecosystem, the better it is for everybody. Sure. Yeah, that's and awesome. So one of the things that happened though was uh, working at Launch Academy, I started working more late nights, uh, longer hours. Uh, but say Mike Edwards, who is running Grow Labs. Are you looking was, for some some sympathy here? <laughs> uh, no, that's... Collective that's, awe. It, it, no, at that point, there is no sympathy. That's yes. what you take on when you, when you become right an entrepreneur. On. You have to accept that you're going to have a lot of long hours and late nights. Right and, on. Uh, lack of sleep, so uh, <laughs> lack of funding in your pocket. But, and get no, and you, and you get no sympathy from your family. I'm sure. Yeah, or more like grief from your family when you get yes. married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially for a brown guy. Yeah, that's that's not. Uh, yeah, but a Canadian brown yeah. guy. So now you're all right. You just say I'm a Canadian. <laughs> exactly. But so the, the Mike Edwards and I were spending a lot more time. Um, uh, collaborating with each other, leveraging each other's resources. And uh, we kind of brought him on as uh, our fourth co-founder because he was instrumental to what was happening there. But he and I came to this realization that uh, Launch Academy needs to really grow. And, and every, he said that every city that he's ever gone to where he wanted to get connected to the ecosystem, there was always some sort of hub or some central uh, entity that he could tap into and automatically get connected to the ecosystem. But there was nothing like that in Vancouver. So we wanted Launch Academy to be that. And uh, the funny thing is what happened was Launch, or Grow Lab and Launch Academy were housed in uh, Grow Lab's office, but Grow Lab's office was actually the front half of Eastside Games' office. So Eastside Games had entire floor of, a, of the building, um, but the front half of it was Grow Lab's. And um, Grow Lab reverted back to its original model where they wanted to house the companies that were going through their cohort in their location. But uh, Launch Academy was now wildly successful and we had the whole place filled. So we both had grown, needed to make a decision, okay, well, who's moving out? And so while we're just debating who's moving out now, the owner of Eastside Games, uh, Jason Bailey, was also a co-founder of Grow Lab. And so he had a stake in all this as well. But he came up to us and, well, Mike and I are battling it out. He said, well, look, you two, Eastside Games is growing. So I don't care what you guys do, but both of you have to leave because we need our space back. <laughs> yeah, you're both of <laughs> And it. so luckily enough, right next door, uh, space came available and it was 12,000 square feet. We went from... Literally about I think twelve hundred square feet 
to looking at the space 12,000 square feet. Now, Launch Academy was not funded. It was uh, bankrolled by myself. And then uh, Mike and I looked at this huge space and said, okay, well, we can bite the bullet and put Grow Love and Launch Academy together and really try to build this hub. Uh, but knowing that there's no funding, is it something that we want to take on? And so he and I uh, basically flipped the bill and uh, put this together and took over that space. And I, I clearly remember one of the days, I was early days, I was the only person in this room, one person sitting in a little chair in this cavernous space just thinking, what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how am I going to fill this space up? And what's the, what's the mantra philosophy? And yeah. Just naturally over time, it really just evolved into that place where, place where you have everything you need to go from an idea to an exit. And having the different for-profit entities, we have a coding school in-house, we've got uh, venture capitalists and angel investors in-house, we've got uh, an accelerator in-house. And so all those different pieces just came together uh, over the course of that year. Well, those are, I mean, you you actually are the Startup Canada uh, 2015 Award for Entrepreneurship Promotion. Congratulations, my friend, on that. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate yeah. The, uh, yeah. the award. Well, it is. It, you know, it's it's not just, I mean, these awards that Startup Canada gives out are not just, oh, well, give give them a trophy. And no, you guys earned it. I mean, I've uh, I've been a, an Atlantic Canadian recipient of that. And it, 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 the, the, the people and the groups earn it. And they've got to go through a st- stringent, stringent uh, judging process. So uh, congratulations on that. And you get lots of activities happening. But what do you do? Uh, and you talked about it when we talked a little earlier about your uh, your traction conference. Um, do you take the same strategy to get people interested in traction conference to get people to be aware of what you're doing with regards to um, with regards to uh, your uh, your launch academy, or do you take a different approach from a promotional perspective? Uh, I, th- I think it is a little bit of a different approach. Like for launch academy, it's all about the entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about the ecosystem. Part of the things that we embrace at Launch Academy is failure. We know that a lot of the touch points that we are going to have with entrepreneurs is is entrepreneurs at the very early stages and what happens at those early stages, a lot of lessons learned and and failures and we want to be that support network to help build them up and and get them back on their feet and show them that uh, this is part of the course, you have to fight through this. Uh, But with that being said, once companies do start to uh, move further along and are successful, we need to be able to f- point them into the right direction of all the different resources. So I think that's one of the things that helped uh, build the Launch Academy brand and recognition is that uh, we don't try to uh, put people under our label and say, no, that's, that's, that's all Launch Academy. We did right. that. It's like, no, it's, it's all about the entrepreneurs. That's how do, how do you help entrepreneurs become successful? So it goes right back to what I originally said. The more successful entrepreneurs are around you, the better it is for everybody. Um, the better it is for the entire ecosystem. So I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the brand has uh, resonated with a lot of other people is because there really is no selfishness or egos in play here. It's, it's everybody collectively trying to help each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, wonderful. So you really are the you know, the epitome of the of the movie three hundred. You're all moving in the same direction with the same force, and uh, that creates great uh, great great results. So uh, that that's very very cool. Well, can you tell us a bit about what's uh, what's happening through the Cas uh, Cas Cascadia Cascadia? Thank you, region Cascadia region, and you know the movement connecting Vancouver, Seattle, and uh, California. Yeah. So. Um I think it's just the the corridor. There's there's just a lot of activity, and um, you got obviously Silicon Valley is is the place for tech, and uh, Seattle has a lot of success. You've got Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Real Networks, and, and it's got a big legacy of enterprise. Um, so there's a lot of resources and brain trust. And now with Vancouver as an emerging uh, ecosystem, um, it's just natural that the three uh, regions are really starting to get connected. Uh, Vancouver's got a lot of things going in its favor. One is uh, we're on the same time zone. Uh, we're two-hour drive from Seattle. We're a two-hour flight from San Francisco. Uh, it's a big presence of Silicon Valley in Vancouver. A lot of uh, companies that are anchored in the valley are looking to build product teams up here. And um, uh, talent is is on par with what you find in Seattle and San Francisco. Definitely, there's more of it in Seattle and San Francisco, but uh, uh, I think the quality of the talent is definitely up here. And uh, the exchange rate goes in our favor. Um, but more importantly, the talent is far more loyal in Vancouver than it is in San Francisco. So churn rates and, and turnover in uh, uh, engineering teams and, and talent in companies up in the Valley is, uh, is unreal. And so a lot of them look at the things that happen in Vancouver and that teams are far more stable and um, they're all trying to find that stability. So a lot of this Valley companies are setting up shop in Vancouver and, and um, building up teams here. Do you, do you find uh, in your experience that there's more uh, North South uh, collaboration happening than East West? Uh, so, so my take on this is that there's a lot of entities already in Vancouver that are building that East West connection and there's definitely a need for it. Uh, uh, I get asked this all the time, like, why am I not focusing on East-West? I need to connect more with Toronto. Uh, for certain business uh, entities, I am like with Victory Square, we're a venture fund and we're working with early stage Christian startups. So we have a lot of interest in what's happening in the East Coast. But for Launch Academy itself, there's more need for, a greater need for us to focus on that North-South. Uh, so why try to replicate what other people are doing? Why not right. uh, fill that void? And that void is connections to into Seattle, connections into San Francisco. Um, and so that's where we focus our energy. So yeah. to go back, that there, there definitely is a need for uh, Canada as a whole to be far more connected, far more in sync with what's happening on both coasts. Um, but uh, definitely there is a need for north-south, just like there is in Toronto. Uh, Toronto connecting to uh, Boston, Chicago, and, and New York is essential uh, for us on the West Coast, Seattle. Yep. It, it is. It, I mean, it, it, it's essential, and um, uh, but the natural trade routes when you look through history have always been north south. So it's not a surprise that you go in that and you, and you go where opportunity is, right? Exactly. If you look back at the history of Vancouver, one of the big industries that uh, uh, really start well, obviously resources is a big thing. Then that was obviously north south. A lot of the U.S. Uh, leveraging the resources up here, but then you go into the entertainment industry. Uh, Vancouver has always been known as Hollywood North. It's uh, Los Angeles and Vancouver were well connected back in the 80s and 90s. 
And then you get into the entertainment space of gaming. So then you had a lot of game studios up here. And now it's just naturally evolved to all the other tech you know, sectors. Right on. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, look, uh, Ray, I, I want to give you kind of the, the last word. You you really are uh, entrenched, uh, not obviously, not, not just from a, uh, um, a perspective of being involved, but investing in um, in the entrepreneurial journey, the startups and, uh, and so on. And so if you had one piece of advice you now want to give to your dad, what's that one piece of advice if he was going to start over again? To my dad, I guess the, it's, it's my general advice to any entrepreneur anywhere is uh, get out there and talk about your startup. Talk to customers, talk to other people, talk to strategic partners. You can't uh, start early enough because the more information that you gather, uh, the better informed you are to make decisions. And most entrepreneurs are afraid that somebody's going to steal their idea or they're not they're not confident enough to show it to anybody or talk about it. That's a fallacy. Get out there and talk to as many people as possible. Talk as early as you can and gather that information because um, that's what's going to help you find the right path. People are going to fail. Most often the, the thoughts and ideas that are in your head are on the right path, but they're wrong. You need to talk to people to find out what's going to resonate with your customers, what's going to be that value proposition that's going to convert them into users and paying users. So talk to people. Get out there and talk to um, not just customers, but strategic partners, advisors, mentors, investors. Talk early. Talk soon. Often. It's a, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? How how startups think that they're the only people on the planet with the idea that they have in their head. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's, and therefore, they won't talk to anybody about it yeah. because they think somebody's going to steal their idea. I mean, yeah. just it really blows me away. I was at a conference once in uh, Halifax, and and this lady from I think she was from Arizona. She get up. She says, she says, I hate to bust everybody's bubble here, but all these ideas that you have, someone's already thought of them <laughs> and she yeah. was bang on right so you're right get out and talk about it i and think one of the, 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 the things to remember though is that so 20 30 years ago if you had an idea you had a business um you're really launching it in your own backyard you're you're trying to be that dominant person in toronto in vancouver with that idea with that business and so it, it kind of made sense that, okay don't share it too much and uh try to be um, carve out that space for yourself so that you can take advantage of it because there's somebody right next to you that might might take that idea. But today with technology and the internet and the proliferation of information and knowledge, you're competing at a global level. And so back in the day, you might have been competing with another 100,000 million people. Uh, today, you're competing with 7 billion people. Everybody around the world has got the same opportunities. they got the same ability to build a startup off a credit card. Uh, the, the touch points and the, and the opportunities are just so different now that uh, you need to uh, realize that somebody in, in Romania, somebody in uh, Afghanistan, somebody in uh, uh, Nigeria has the same opportunities that you do, maybe not to the same degree, but they can be uh, a tech entrepreneur. And so and they're coming up with ideas just like you are. And so you're competing at a global level. And uh, you need to um, move at a much faster pace and you need to um, uh, be more resilient. Very cool. Uh, one other thing I wanted to do point out yes, for sir. Startup Canada itself, I think the biggest 
thing that uh, we as community leaders can do for Launch Academy, for Startup Canada, for politicians, is to celebrate and highlight our entrepreneurs. Right. It's it's the entrepreneurs that are gonna sh- that are going to shape the world. It's facilities like Launch Academy and organizations like Startup Canada that are gonna give them the stage to do it and prop them up and help them get there. So we as Canadians do not talk about our successes enough. We don't celebrate our mm-hmm. entrepreneurs enough. Um, we celebrate athletes. We celebrate uh, mm-hmm. um, politicians, but the entrepreneurs are the ones that have built this country. And we need to get out there and start celebrating them and talking about them and let the other uh, people in the world know that, uh, hey, these companies are Canadian. These, these entrepreneurs are Canadian. Look at all the amazing things that we're doing. Uh, you can just you'd be surprised to see how many Canadians are uh, behind some of the um, changes in the world. Yeah, it it is absolutely true. And uh, if if that's one thing, that, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about uh, the government piece, and uh, that's one thing that I think that MPs uh, can very easily do without committing to any policy or any sector is just celebrate and tell the story of the entrepreneurs and their community again and again and again. And by that constant storytelling, as you referenced, then the culture will shift because they'll understand the value that they have in their own backyard. So exactly. Right. Cause the politicians have a totally different audience that the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. can't reach and access mm-hmm. themselves, other yeah. governments, other countries around the world, uh, need to know about what's happening here and that's just going to naturally lead to more opportunities and more um, uh, successes for Canadians. Right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ray and I could go on and on because we we speak at the same language and we really uh, have the same philosophies on entrepreneurship. So uh, I'll look forward to taking that offside, uh, Ray, and we'll have some uh, over a beer or wine or something. But uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, really have uh, enjoyed this conversation. No, thanks for having me, Rivers. This is uh, awesome. And cool. I love talking about entrepreneurship and I love talking about Canada. <laughs> Right on. Well, this has been Ray Wallyish. He's the CEO of Launch Academy, Vancouver's startup hub. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Uh, 
the other question that's always burning is how does uh, an entrepreneur even begin the relationship with a, with an investor like your group? Um, you know, what are the first steps that they would go through to, to connect and, and begin the dance? So, so I think there's really two steps that, that work really well. And, and, uh, sending a cold email is usually not one of them. <laughs> but um, so I think the two ways is a you get a really strong introduction from somebody, right? And you know the reality is that we get about we see about thirty to fifty opportunities a week. Um, wow! And um, you know you really want to stand out. So ask one of your angels, ask one of your investors ask uh, another entrepreneur uh, that has a good good relationship to to us for an introduction. I think that's always the best way. I think the second best way is to engage over um, social media. You know, we have people that um, have engaged on our blog through comments or on Twitter um, over the years. You, you almost get to know them through that and you mm. have great conversation over social media. And the moment that this person then reaches out and say, hey, by the way, now I'm in the market of, of raising funding, you're always going to take the pitch because you feel like you already know that person, you know what, yeah. what they think, what they're working on, et cetera, and you want to learn, learn more in a one-on-one in a, in a -on -one, uh, conversation. So that's, in my opinion, kind of the two ways you, you should do it. Yeah, that's, uh, it's so obvious that sometimes it isn't so obvious to hang out, hang out with you guys for a while and just become friends and family and, uh, and and get involved with the dialogue. And then when the opportunity comes about that you need to have a deeper conversation, it's a natural uh, progression to have that. Awesome point. 